Borak Thumb Earthlets, my name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 31st episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2080 in Star-Lord for March 1979, progs 102 to 106. This week, we get an in-depth look at the 2080 offices, Johnny Alpha starts a new case, Walter turns traitor, and the Robusters begin their fall and rise. How's it going this episode, Fox? Pretty good, Conrad. I'm uh, a little bit of a mixed bag for me this month, but uh, to be honest, I'm pretty excited for Strontium Dogs coming back. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not, uh, I mean, we'll get into it, not not the strongest opening, I would say, but it got me engaged. Oh, I don't know. I <laughs> Strong disagree from Conrad, but um, <laughs> let's... <laughs> Let's get into this, it. I'm I'm super stoked about this is going to be the derisive episode. This is where we finally come to blows. Maybe. <laughs> but hey, speaking of coming to blows, thrill one, Judge Dread. Oh, also speaking of betraying each other for the love of McGillicuddy. <laughs> uh, all of Judge Dread this month is written by John Wagner, writing as John Walker. The art robots are. Brian Ballin, Gary Leach, Ron Smith, Brett Ewins, and Brennan McCarthy. And the lettering robot is Tom Frame. I'm going to try to do more lettering robots. I'm sorry I've been missing those out. Apologies to all the lettering robots out there. You are all beautiful, unique snowflakes. It's true. So, when last we left off uh, Dread, he and the rebel, and the rest of the rebel judges, of which there are five, or five including Dread, had fallen into the uh, catacombs beneath Mega City 1 to the Big Smelly, the Ohio River, where they met Fergie, the king of the, o- the, king of the Big Smelly, a uh, giant dude with a denim vest covered in buttons and patches and a perpetual cloud of flies. And like a really detailed face and like a, he just looks like, like the mad TV kid, you know? Yeah, kind of stewardy. Yeah. But also just real dumb. Real dumb, real violent. Good times with Fergie. <laughs> just smashes things. Yeah. Cooks some so, rats. Exactly. Yeah. So Fergie leads Dread Giant and the Scholar Judges to his uh, place, which is an ancient body shop in the ruins of the underworld of Mega City One. He serves them roast rat, and, they th- and the judges theorize how Cal has taken over. They have an idea that maybe it was through his daily briefings that he made as head of the of the SJS, the uh, Special Judge Service, because those were unheard by because like Giant had didn't, Giant's been out of town recently, so he wouldn't have heard them. Mm. Uh, Judge Dredd was in the Cursed Earth, and the Academy tutor and the and the, and the tutors at the Academy just aren't involved in day to day law enforcement, so they wouldn't have heard Cal's daily briefings either. Which like you don't think to check for this if it can be done well they didn't know to check and now the tapes are locked up in uh justice hq (laughs) fair enough or in the hall of justice i should say Mm. but that's precisely what dread decides to set out to prove he uh he and fergie head out leaving the other four rebels behind for safety so they can pick up the revolution if he gets caught or captured and then dread and fergie head out for justice once they get topside, they're immediately caught by Cal's forces. Oh no! <laughs> it's like a tank and some and some goons. Yeah, uh, a Justice Department uh, pat wagon, and because they're under attack from the pat wagon and the goons inside, Dread and Fergie fall back. Um, then they they pull the old uh, turn in one one member of the team as a prisoner, and then start shooting everybody. Ruse. Yep. As works season, every time. Yeah, it definitely kind of works every time. <laughs> and it works here. They end up taking control of the pat wagon, and Dredd deputizes Fergie with the badge of a, of a dead or incapacitated judge. <laughs> Which, pretty great. Like, yeah. just giving this doofus with a bat. Always. A judge, yeah. a judge seal. <laughs> so they take the pat wagon to Dredd's old apartment, where they find Walter serving its new residence, a bunch of the... 
alligator man mercenaries, the Cleggs, who are being <laughs> huge assholes to Walter, and then Thank Dread, God. and then Dread and Fergie attack. Let's get heavy. Boo! I mean, yay violence, but yeah, you know. It's it's up and down. So Dredd and Fergie take out the out the Cleggs, and while Fergie and Walter have an instant um, uneasy relationship, Dredd has a plan. Walter will betray him, and w- Walter's like, no. But then we cut to Walter calling the justice to the, the Hall of Justice to turn in Dredd, and he's oh brought God. in. There's some there's some standard Walter type stuff where he tries to call in the he tries to turn in Judge Dwed. And the uh, operators like, there's no Judge Dwed on the uh, oh, God, on the operating right. roles. <clears throat> and like, oh yeah, that's Dred's robot with that lisp that everybody hates. Oh my God! <laughs> so as uh, as Walter's brought into the Hall of Justice, uh, Dred and Fergie start raising hell with their stolen pat wagon, and then escape into the sewers. All right, <laughs> <laughs> see more sewers. So Walter's brought before Judge Cal, who's livid at Judge Dredd's determined um, stance of staying alive. Oh, I mean, and, he goes nuts, though. He's like, oh, it's Judge Dredd's robot. Bring me an axe. I'm going to cut it in half. And, like, that's right. throws his fists up to the heavens and just screams. Yeah. Walter struggles to speak as Cal is about to use an axe to cut Walter's head right off. It's really intense. <laughs> but before the axe can fall, Walter starts spilling the beans. He talks about how he hates Dread and Dread is the worst. It's Good a brilliant name. gambit. <laughs> oh. Uh, Cal organizes a press tour for Walter to badmouth Dread and makes Walter the first robot judge. But not before some really terrible stuff happens for foreshadowing for well, me, uh, yeah. me, Slocum well, or Slocum. Yeah, Judge Slocum, who's been one of Cal's top guys up until this point, says that this is a crazy idea and it won't work. Cal does not appreciate this. But anyhow, <laughs> Walter goes on tour, bad-mouthing Dread on talk shows that I can only assume are making fun of UK talk shows in 1978. In 1979, but I I don't know. Um, I'm an American and f- born. In th- I'm an American who was born in the year 1980. I don't like. I can't. I this is pop culture stuff that's over my head. <laughs> After several days, Walter makes his move, stealing a copy of one of Cal's briefing tapes. But he's caught by Judge Slocum. Oh man. Yeah, things look bad until until Cal arrives to punish <laughs> Judge Slocum for calling him crazy. Slocum is injected with a paralyzing agent, and because, oh. like Cal had said, like, oh, I know you worry about me, I see all the worry lines on your face, uh, the paralyzing agent allows Cal to very creepily smooth Slocum's face, and then twist his, and then twist his mouth into, like, a ridiculous Joker smile. And it's then, so creepy and terrible. And then the Cleggs lower him into a giant vat of vinegar, pickling him to death. Ah, oh, jeez. Just so that he can see him smiling forever. It is the worst kind of death. I've, and it, then Walter gets away anyway. Yeah, like Judge Cal's like, oh, hey, you dropped this uh, tape, Walter. Here you go. Get out of here. <laughs> I'll mention also that I'm reading uh, the book uh, Thrill Power Overload, which is a history of 2000 AD. And this specific sequence is called out as an example of uh, censorship that they got from sort of the higher-up brass at 2000 AD. Really? Like, this used to be a much more graphic scene, but the brass was like, no, like, you you just say it's vinegar and say you're pickling them, not that it's like acid that'll burn off his skin or something like that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyhow. (laughs) We cut to a cow ruling with an iron fist. All of, you know, there's tons of Big Brother, like Cal is watching signs all over the mega city. There's giant walls keeping people in, spy cameras and constant strip searches keeping people in line. But hey, like, you know, the, 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 the trains run on time and the mail is delivered quickly. So, okay. Like in four hours or something like that. Yeah. It's nuts. It's a good show, too, because one letter is addressed to Fergie and contains a copy of Cal's briefing tape. And oh, snap. When the judges check it out, yeah, baby, it's got subliminal messages in it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
they were right the first time. Yeah. In, uh, Academy instructor Judge Pepper thinks he can make a copy that will counteract cows, but it'll take two weeks. You've got seven days. But then, as cow go- grows, <laughs> then incre- actually don't have seven days. Yeah, cows go growing increasingly crazy. A couple times in this month, he's sort of started yelling at like previous chief judges and how yeah. they're like judging him, and he'll like show them and be the best chief judge ever and stuff. He it's keeps like hearing voices. Nuts. It's like yeah. rolling around, holding his head. <laughs> totally. But one day he wakes up and he's calm and he announces that he's going to preserve the city in its current pristine state. How? <laughs> By s- secreting nerve gas all throughout the city, then releasing it, killing every living thing in the city, but preserving its beautiful building as an infrastructure for the rest of time. <laughs> oh my gosh. And once again, he decides to commit genocide on the right. entire populace. But this time, as opposed to sy- systematic and one at a time, he's just going to press a button and do it all at once. <laughs> so, now there's no time to make that tape. A couple hours later, with a rushed tape, the ne- basically the next morning, the six men, the five judges, and that's Judge Dredd, Judge Giant, and then instructors Griffin, Pepper, and Kelso, along with Fergie, start their assaults <laughs> on the heart of on the Hall of Justice. They've got to get their tape to the briefing room, or Mega City One is doomed. That's a lot of doom. Yeah. Next week, Dreads Army. Dude. <sighs> Pretty good, uh, right, so, man. There's some good. Dude, it's nuts. There's some good crazy like, ju- Judge Cal stuff in here. It's like uh, a crazy person wrote it. There's some really great fight, like the the uh, the Dread and Fergie versus the Cleggs fight is really good. Mm-hmm. There's some good car chase stuff with the Pat Wagon. <laughs> um, the opening of Prague 106 that just shows Cal's tyranny over Mega City One just has oh, a bunch yeah. of really arresting images and all these pictures of like the oppression that Judge Cal's brought to the city. That's really like. Um, Really eye-catching and really sets the scene really well of showing him as this tyrant that needs to be stopped, you know? Oh, my favorite was just everyone's face as they're hustling the fuck out of trains. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap, we got to get out of here. Yeah, there's, ju- there's armed judges everywhere just making sure that everybody's o- orderly and quick on the trains and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Um, I'd still, it's the most arresting thing, <clears throat> even if they did tone it down um injecting slocum who's like been this dude who's who's been kind of in lockstep surviving everything Yeah, he's been one of we've seen him be like one of cal's top lieutenants throughout this whole time it's interesting just the characters of the of the of the bit play you know we've talked about this before but the characters of the bit players throughout um the judge cal um the Judge Cal storyline, be it Slocum or Percy, the guy in his underwear, or the guys that have to wear like the little girl costumes and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it creates sort of a language of who's around Cal and what's going on with him that makes it him, you know, seem kind of more perverse or something like that, just because <laughs> as opposed to a bunch of regular judges, he's got these strangely dressed, armed, get armed dudes. <laughs> That, you Very know. specifically, right? Yeah. Like he keeps them around. He still sees their value. They're just they did something bad, and now they have to dress in tutu. Yeah, it's cool. It's so just bizarre, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. I'm still kind of like Fergie is this weird ad, but um, if if people have sort of been following along with this arc, they come into town. A man dies. A crazy person takes over. Everything escalates really quickly to where alligators fall out of the sky. They then jump in a stink river and now <laughs> yeah. are coming back in uh, and trying to stop nerve gas like, I love Judge Dredd. <laughs> There's so much stuff going on at once, for sure. It's it, it's ridiculous. Like I'm, what's, what's really nailing all of this stuff for me in each of the comics that I like... Um, for this month are are just like these larger story arcs that are really good, and I'm getting that out of dread for sure. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, all out war, let's go to <laughs> Thrill Two Robo Hunter. 
So uh, Robo Hunter's script robot is John Walker again as T.B. Grover. And then the art robot's Ian Gibson or Ian Gibson. And the lettering robot is Steve Potter. So, okay. <laughs> when we last left off on Robo Hunter, our guys, Sam Slade and Captain Kidd, were getting eaten by a giant sewer robot ship as they were making their way to the big brain, the ruler of Virtus, where robots have taken over and imprisoned all the humans thinking that they're simulated humans. All right? Cool. But then... Ins- Inside the robot is a lonely and semi-crazy robot. Inside the big sewer robot, there's a smaller, lonely and semi-crazy robot named B.O. He's challenged our guys to a game of Robopoly for their freedom, which is basically Monopoly, but with robots as your game pieces doing stuff. It's everything's a robot. And robot-themed, of course. Of course. The the problem is that B.O. cheats a lot. Yeah. The uh, game looks pretty cool just because, like I said, yeah, all the game pieces are living robots and they, they talk and they run around and kind of do some funny, like, Keystone Cop stuff and things like that. I like that the hotels were called Rotels. Yeah. <laughs> but the guys are worried about ever being able to escape from this um, sewer ship. <laughs> Luckily, during their game, SJ1 knocks on the door of the ship, which distracts BO and allows Slade to convince the game pieces to cheat in his favor instead. (laughs) So Sam quickly wins the game and is given a ride to the home of the big brain, the ruler of the planet. Now it's time to head in. Because it's because oh, yeah. it's a big brain, so you head okay. So uh, we, <laughs> we're making our way to Robo to Robo HQ. Um, after making their way through a mass of robot society that just doesn't notice that Sam's a Sam and Kid are humans or not, <laughs> they make their what? yeah. It's cool, man. You see a bunch of like robots complaining. There's no humans for them to do their robot duties to and stuff. <laughs> but they make their way to. The robot parliament, which apparently Big Brain keeps around mostly just for for laughs, I guess. It's very strange. And there's a big session of like the parliament floor, and there's all these parties that are silly. There's like like the angry party, or the stupid party, or the very silly party. And there's even a neck party. Yeah, there's a fun party, and. <laughs> I assume there's some kind of political humor going on here. Like some of these robots are caricatures of politicians. But again, oh, sure. I don't know. I'm an American in 2017 and political jokes in the from the UK from 1979 are outside of my... I, I can't <laughs> even figure out how to do it. Um, <laughs> they get... Sam and company get attacked by robo... By guard droids and they hide in the offices of the head of the very stupid party. And after Sam fixes the head of the very stupid party to make him smart, mostly well, just by removing his Groucho glasses. Yes. And what, what he had specifically said was like that he's been living this life of torture because he's always been forced to play the stupid robot right. and not be smart. <laughs> so weird. But after fixing that, Sam climbs into the air ducts and makes his way to the big brain. Which gets really weird. Yeah, so Sam's climbing through the air ducts. Along the way, he uh, kills some more robots just through the ducts, like stopping Sam extermination orders and stuff. And he finally reaches the big brain, who is talking to some robot caricatures of religious figures. There's like a robot bishop, there's a robot rabbi. and And they're looking very swag. Yeah, and the big brain is super smart, mostly because he's built... A huge hourglass brain basically atop his head that's made out of sim brains, a.k.a. human brains. Yeah, he looks kind of like if Mar- Marvin the Martian's face, but then you attach a giant thing of glass to the top of his head. Yeah, like a giant top of an hourglass to the top of his yeah. head full of brains. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like the big brain's like, all right, yeah, here's your problem. Uh, also, guards, please take Sam Slate out of that air duct. <laughs> you know, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He's super intelligent, man. Yeah. So uh, Sam attacks, but the big brain has powerful mental powers and redirects and like telekinetically redirects the beams that Sam shoots. God, it's like it's really just he there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. Luckily, however, the big brain is also smart enough to be willing to listen to reason and has SJ1 <laughs> and all the top robots of robot society brought to his audience chamber to hear the situation. 
Uh, Sam and SJ-1 lay it out and realizing that Sims are actually human and thus that he's been complicit in the imprisonment and murder of thousands of human beings, <laughs> including the ones that make up his own super brain. It drives big brain insane. Um, like, like really, he thinks he's a child. Yeah, like, like put him in a wheelbarrow and cart him off as he sings Daisy, Daisy, tell <laughs> you know, give me your answer, do all that stuff. Amazing. Um... So most of the robots uh, swear loyalty to Sam, the main human available, mostly except for monocle-wearing General 2. He swears that his army will stand against Sam and the forces of Sim humanity. Uh, it's going to be war, but first, hail King Sam. Yeah, Sam is made king almost immediately. So trucker Han Solo, who's, who's really good at shooting robots, is now king of Robotopolis. Yeah, Virtus, for sure. So what's follow- we we spend one prog sort of litigating that there'll be a war basically you know so general there's general one and general two of the uh, armies of Avertus of, of they disagree as to whether Sam is a sim or not meanwhile kid who's also been acknowledged as a human is having a good time lording it over newly servile robots like <laughs> ordering them to self destruct while smoking fine Havana cigars it's ridiculous. After a uh, after a spanking, Sam take Sam and Kid go to the robot parliament to try to stop the conflict. Sam argues again that humans aren't Sims, and after a brief conga line by the by the fun party, um, which great war is on. So let's fight. It's uh, and now is when Ian Gibson's truest abilities shine. Yeah, I should mention so that. Amazing. Yeah, Army Two is basically like black and has a ton of tanks and other vehicles, and like General Two is is really like round and kind of German looking and has a monocle and stuff. Oh yeah, big time. Then Army Two is white. With, and it's mostly infantry-based, like a bunch of robots with like sort of World War One infantry helmets and stuff. Their general's very thin with kind of a mustache. And as the war begins, the fighting looks amazing. Like Dude. like Fox said, yeah, Ian Gibson is going off with awesome, intricate detail on all the troops and the action as they clash. Like there's so much little, big stuff and little stuff going on, and multiple pages of just huge masses of robots um, smashed into each other. Actually, all this, all the stuff this month has been really awesome. Like the the full chambers of Parliament, the huge mm-hmm. um, tunnels full of the masses of robo of robo humanity just walking around doing stuff. Oh yeah, they're all, like, like what's what's nuts is you could just kind of pick a platform or something going on, and there's some amount of detail put into it that just really makes the whole thing feel alive. Yeah, the whole thing just it always reminds me of those like Mad Magazine like two page spreads where they the whole thing is just a huge crowd scene and there's thousands of little mm-hmm. jokes going on constantly. This is a lot like that, but it's just these different kinds of robots doing different kinds of things and fighting and being, being awesome. Basically. It's really cool. Like not to mention that the story just completely goes like escalates really, really fast yeah. <laughs> uh, into, into Sam being King. And I love I love an unlikely king. Yeah. Like uh, Val Kilmer from Willow is an important person for reasons. <laughs> but so the battle rages. This includes some bots getting shell shocked and being forced to self destruct. But eventually, part of the line falls to an army to war wagon, and Sam and kids stay behind to fight. In a daring move, Sam takes down a big vehicle with precision grenade throwing. One <laughs> war di- wagon down? Nope. Uh, that gigantic monster vehicle over there is the war wagon. Dude, big jobs. Serious big jobs. Next episode, (laughs) hot shot for cutie. Oh my god. But yeah, like I said, Um, just the art and like the, the, the art's really tipping over for, for Robo, for Robo Hunter. It all looks so good. And then the story is just absurdity at its best. Like they just send up, they send up the military, politics, everything it's a really cool like not like social commentary but also just kind of like absurdist like delight basically 
Well, I love it because it just it starts like this slow burn of just like, oh, here's some things going on and they're making progress and they're just trying to get there, right? And then it's just them taking a big Tonka truck and just running everything over and just going... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like they built this whole thing up only to just like cathartically tear it down in a really, really cool way. Totally. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. But hey, speaking of tearing everything down, 303, Dan Dare. (sighs) Script robot for Dan Dare is Tom Tully, and the art and lettering robot is uh, Dave Gibbons. So, uh, you know, Dan Dare doesn't have his (laughs) memory. Um, Yep. And... And uh, Mekon, the Mekon, his greatest enemy, is taking advantage of that. He's um, <laughs> posing as Lord Dracul. Meanwhile, Are you Dan excited Dare, yet, readers? Dan Dare thinks that he's a, the, a cop for the inter- interplanetary, interstellar police department, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> with the attacking Thraxian... So, sorry, there's a planet called Lystria. It's got... A thing on it that's called either the stone or the crystal of life, depending on what prog it is. It changes from one to the other. Um, Because who cares, right? Like, who even fucking cares? And the planet's been taken over by these guys called the Thraxians, who are, you know, they kind of look like space orcs, basically. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of space orcs. Yeah. So... And some attacked the ship last last episode, you remember. So, with the attacking Thraxians beaten up, the Mekon shows Dan his plague-ridden people, quote-unquote. They're cryo-frozen in a huge complex of bunk beds with, like, pox-covered faces and stuff. To heal them, we need the Crystal of Life. And then it's pretty funny, because once they leave the room, everybody <laughs> cryogenically frozen on the bunk beds is like... Woo! If I had to hold that cryo-frozen f- f- uh, act for another minute, I'd have gone crazy. And they all, like, pull off their fake pox-ridden faces and stuff. It's, it's really weird. Like, just, they went just, to this really, really long extent of an elaborate ruse. You gotta, tr- you, you, you gotta trick Dan Dare good, you know? This is like the, the race of evil people, so they all go evil real good, you know? My God, I guess. But so, yeah, so... The plan is for Dare and the Mekon to use the stolen Thraxian ship to infiltrate the planet. They'll get the crystal and heal the dying Mekon, or uh, heal Lord Drackle's dying people, and they head out. Yeah, God. <laughs> Along. You haven't fun yet, kids? Yeah. And, and, so, and so they head out. It's, 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 it's a Dan Dare and the Mekon, and then two of the Mekon's goons. And I actually like there was there's one minute right before they head down where Mekon sort of like calls time out and runs back to the central command center just to gloat to his lackeys. Like, yeah, we're going to do this, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fly down to the surface. Uh. So uh, Dan, Mekon, and the goons... Uh, pass as they're flying down to the surface they pass a big thraxian ship and as they do the ship spaces multiple listrians flushing them out of the airlock dan dare freaks out he opens fire on the thraxian ship the mekon tries to have his goons stop him but dare fights them off forcing the mekon to apologize and pretend to be sad again With Dare mollified, but their covers blown to the Thraxians, they have to land in some distant swamps and then walk to the stronghold that holds the Stone of Life. Or Crystal of Life, whatever. Are you excited yet? As they land, there's a crazy frog monster hand in the foreground. Are you excited yet? Crazy hand in the foreground is Tom Tully's expertise, incidentally. (laughs) Amazing. So everyone lands, and so they land in the swamp, and they got to walk. And as they walk, the Mekon tells the story of the Stone of Life. FYI, uh, this swamp here, and like the fact that it's a swamp planet, is why the Mekon's people, the Treens, can't just invade. They're hydrophobic. So, like, a swamp planet would be t- is impossible for them to do stuff on because they're too afraid of the water. I don't see why they all don't just ride on the little floaty things like the Mekon does, but whatever. That's Mekon's throne of office, dude. Oh, okay. Or something, <laughs> I don't know. It but shoots lasers. 
Exactly. As they go, they're attacked by the Toad Men of Lystria. Oh. They beat off the Toad Men, but one of Mekon's goons dies. And then Mekon tells the story of the stone. It's one page of action so far. <laughs> yeah, it's from an ancient star that exploded, sending a comet that traveled the universe, sending cosmic wonder and delight, encouraging works of joy and hope, including being the star that guided the shepherds on during the Christmas story. Jesus. Eventually it landed here on Lystria. And... Then we finally arrive at the shrine of the crystal of life. It gives off a light like everything is splashed with blood. Down and down and down. But it turns out that the strong that the uh, the city that holds the crystal of life, Eternium, is floating and it's made of reflected surface so that it shines yeah. it uh, basically reflects the red light of the setting sun making everything look covered in blood, which is a total cop-out. It really is. So along the way, they bump into a thin kind of frog-faced person who's one of the Lystrians, but Mekon's goons kills him right away. Are you you excited yet? It's good. Luckily, they managed to find the the dead guy's hovercraft, which they steal, and... They make use of to make their way to Eternium. As they go, we get the rest of the story of the crystal. When it landed on Lystria, they realized that it had healing powers, so they set up a city around it, and it became the site of a medical pilgrimage as the stone could cure anybody who came by. But then, the Thraxians showed up and were jerks. (laughs) But why haven't they taken the crystal back to their own homeworld yet, eh, Mekon? But before the answer can come, there's a Thraxian patrol boat! Yeah, it's time to fight. Also, the Athraxian insignia is the same three triangle logo as the Triforce from Zelda. I'm just saying these are oh. these are Triforce bad guys. Hashtag, uh, I got Breath of the Wild confirmed. Indeed, in 1979. Pre NES, it's good pre Atari almost. I think. Oh God. But so the Thraxians fire warning shots and Dan Dare suggests the old, let them capture us, then we'll break out of jail and be in the heart of their security complex gambit, which, you know, is the plot of about a thousand movies from, I think, like 2012 or something. And a lot of how Dan Dare gets around. He gets captured and then kind of uses that to his advantage a lot. That's definitely true. But uh, the, uh, the Thraxians actually instantly recognize him as Dan Dare. Well, it's yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, hearing his name makes him start to remember his um, past, but the Mekon nips that in the bud by basically just starting to shoot everybody, and a big gunfight breaks <laughs> out. There's and then a, we get one page of action. Yeah, there's a pitched battle, and the Thraxian ship is quickly destroyed, and Dandar loses the, the thread of memory that he had found. But oh no, they're caught. The uh, the hovercraft they're in is caught in the current going to a water filtering plant and the controls of the craft are broken so we got to swim away but of course because he's one of these trees the goon of the mekon is uh, has a crippling water phobia and so he ends up riding the hover the uh, hovercraft vehicle over the sides of the fall into the filtering trap into, into the filtering plant to his death uh, Mekon's fine cuz he's just hovering above the water on his sweet uh, hover cra- ho- hover chair it's just this is how it ends that's our cliffhanger well no yeah dan dare swimming he's caught in the undertow and the mekon has to decide whether he's gonna save dan dare or not next episode the decision spoilers he probably does seems likely um he really wants that crystal and i mean he doesn't have any goons so you're pretty down on dan dare this week man it's not it's not good (laughs) I think it's okay. I, I okay, but there's kind of one not, page of action per 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 prog, and there's oh, a lot no, of backstory no, no, about no. this uh, stone of crystal not even guaranteed. thing. It was two progs that there was action. I know because I kept reading this saying what? to myself, "Don't worry, it's going to get better. Like something interesting is going to happen." That that's like going to stop us from like okay blah 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 blah. Mekon's bad. Have him stay on the ship. Throw Dan Dare at the world at all the problems. Have him kill a lot of people and then be like, oh, snap. 
I shouldn't have done that. And then switch for the other side and then kill a shitload more people. It seems like what he's doing. No, because no one's dying. They it's killed like, like seven dudes on that um, on that boat. All I'm saying is we... They killed that frog from, dude. We w- <laughs> They killed hey, that Listria dude that was just walking around minding his own business. Him. The goon shot him and it was a fortuitous shooting. They spaced hella Listrians on that ship. Man, there's a pretty decent. There's like a 20 okay. body count of 20 in this so, month of Prague. So he didn't, he didn't ice him. You know, I mean, maybe it's not Dan Dare doing it, but people are dying. That's what I'm trying to say. All I'm saying is it's not the same as the Dan Dare battle action playset that I've come to love. Like, okay, that's fair. Like, I I have this expectation for Dan Dare now because it was once at this level where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah, where it's well, just me being told that I should care about the Mekon because no one can think of how to make the Mekon interesting, and. <laughs> And that's not my fault as a reader. Don't subject me to the worst because you guys can't figure it out. And everyone's like, well, you got to use Dr. Doom. He's their nemesis. And it's like, you just choose somebody, not him for once. Yeah, they are definitely for sure. They're expecting us to have a lot of baggage when we see the Mekon. Like that we're going to be like, oh, man, that's the Mekon. He can do stuff. Whereas... (laughs) For us, like for you and me, for sure, we're just like, man, the Mekon's just this guy with a big head but in a chair. He's not like that threatening, and he doesn't do that much beyond sort of be sort of a standard Cobra Commander guy, you know? But even in the Mekon that you and I have been exposed to, and we have been at this point exposed to enough Mekon where the Mekon could have had been good several times. Yeah, for sure. And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. It's so boring, and they just talk, and like two guys died. It sucked. <laughs> hey, speaking of things where not a lot of stuff happens, <laughs> non thrills, nerve center, laugh in, and others. Oh, God. So, just all the letter pages and stuff, we can do this quick. Um, Prague 102, it's all international letters and pictures this week, including, oh, snap. Pi- yeah, including pictures from the Channel Islands and Dar es Salaam. Then letters from places like New Zealand and in Germany. Later in the Prague, users submit Strontium Dog fan art. And there's a pinup photo of Tharg himself. Which is really like, it's like, hey, call me. Tharg's on the phone. Who's he calling? It could be you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, like, I guess the last two Prague's before this one also, there were... Uh, posting parts of a big uh, Judge Dredd poster. That's the one from the first Cursed Earth comic. That's like Dredd on the motorcycle yeah. driving towards you with like Spark- Spikes Harvey Rotten on one side and stuff. Going to murder. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, in Rojas and Hammerstein's, Hammerstein's Laugh-In, there's a big letter about Asimov's Laws of Robotics with the Robusters bots being like, whatever, dude, those ain't my laws. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny because if you if you are really into Asimov, then you start bringing those three laws of robots into all stories about robots, mm-hmm. and like no one, nobody signed a contract saying that those laws are the same for everybody. You know, it's like how how Star Trek guys bring the Prime Directive into everything with sci-fi. All it's right. like, hey man, that's not my Prime Directive. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've never had that conversation. Yeah, we have. We talked about it previously. Um, <laughs> Like several times. And don't forget, holiday to Mars. Yeah, we see the big old ship that will take the vacation to Mars family to Mars. And finally. I think that's finally the end of this goddamn vacation to Mars. It's taken like a month. And not to mention like 10 different ships. So many vehicles involved in this vacation to Mars. Is it really worth it? Yes. Prague 103, uh, Tharg addresses the scandal of our time, which is people sending copied artwork into 2080s art pages. If you do <laughs> you so, you are a bad say. person. You don't fucking say. Um, also, this guy named M. Crown from Nottingham really loves the 1979 annual. He says it's Scrontnig. 
disagree. Yeah. <laughs> also, I should say, I think we've seen Scrotnig once or twice before, also in uh, Thrill Power Overload. They talk about the genesis of the term Scrotnig, which <laughs> apparently in one episode of Invasion, Gary Finley Day said that uh, Dan Savage, that, uh, not Dan, good lord, that Bill Savage was uh, Scrotnig, a column of troops. And <laughs> like uh, Kelvin Gosnell and Pat Mills spent the weekend trying to figure out what the hell that meant, and eventually they he came back on Monday and he was like, "Oh, that's uh, escorting," and they're like, "That's not how do you get that out of escorting?" <laughs> and so since then it became sort of an in joke, and thus I think eighty percent of uh, Tharg's Beetlejuice in uh, lexicon is um, in-jokes from the 2080 offices somehow turned into Tharg words, basically. That's amazing. Um, there's a there's a last of the Dread poster in this one, and there's a full-body pinup of the Hammerstein robot, which I have not found information about in the uh, Inthrill Power Overload, which I'm very disappointed in. Yeah, that's lame, because it looks really good. Yeah. Um... And then there's a letter asking why the Robusters don't rescue people anymore in the comics, which I do agree with. That's an important mm-hmm. question. And then there's a, a bunch of drawings of robots. I'd say the Robo Tharg is the best picture of the <laughs> bunch. And then it's the, like, hey, check out my really cool shoulder pads. Exactly. And then the the uh, prog ends with a full color pinup of Robo Hunter, Sam Slade, of of, of, of of Robo Hunter, including Sam Slade, Cutie, and Kid. Kid so, uh, is my favorite. Yeah, so in Prague 104, I guess in like 78, 79, there was a widespread striking throughout the UK, like during that winter. In, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it's officially called like the Winter of Discontent, which oh. I believe it was what caused the missing progs back in December, and it's also caused a lack of progs being sent out and distributed around England. So really? apparently a bunch of kids have been writing in for back issues and Tharg says that he has no back issues. Jeez. Uh, also, there's a letter from Mick Carter, who is a USA reader of 2000 AD, just like us. He, <laughs> he laments that in America, uh, progs cost 60 cents. Oh Which, my god. For for the record, at this point, a Doctor Strange comic, and that's a once a month comic, costs thirty-five cents. Oh. So sixty cents a week is a lot in for nineteen seventy-nine comic books. Oh my god. Also, his address is given as Greenfield USA, which is not very specific. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, well, in, in in Prague 105, Tharg shakes the hand of Big E, who <laughs> is the uh, superhero host of Tornado, which is now launching with its own space spinner type object. Um, there are letters in this prog that are both pro 1979 annual and anti having an alien editor for the comic book. Disagree on both counts. Correct. <laughs> In Prague 106, Tharg demands that 2000 AD must have more female readership, introduce a girl to the comic, and win and win a and write in for a prize. Uh, same thing applies to Space Spinner 2000. We love feedback and we have prizes. Introduce a girl to our podcast. <laughs> There's also a a poem about both Judge Dredd and Rojas, and another one, and uh, another one that calls out Tharg for being whatever, which I say boo. And then there's a sweet Rojas pinup at the end of the issue. Yeah, he's just wheeling along. Hey, he's having a good time. Mm-hmm. But hey, speaking of Tharg, Fox. Oh God! Thrill for Future Shocks. There's Future Shock. Yeah, Future Shock. Only one. Uh, a oh, close oh. encounter of the fatal kind. <sighs> this is a classic Future Shock, by the way. <laughs> uh, the scriptwriter is Alan Grant, writing as Alec, as Alec, Alec Trench, R.I.P. The art robot is Carlos Escara, and the lettering robot is Pete Knight. So, would-be 2000 AD author Alec Trench is tired of having his manuscripts rejected by Tharg and is jumping off a bridge, handcuffed to his typewriter. As he does, he's kidnapped by aliens. They oh, were, they're going to do some tests on him and then kill him, but he convinces them to instead do tests on him for a month and then let him go. 
But after they Genius do it, plan. after they go for a month, it turns out that an alien month is 10 Earth years. Oh. Luckily, Alec has a plan, and he starts taking, like, fun snapshots of the aliens, eventually tricking them to standing near some electrodes, and, and then... And murders them. Yeah, turning up the electrodes and killing them both. Ugh. This story of a real alien abduction is sure to sell to Tharg, so he writes the story and then sets the ship's teleporter to teleport him right into Tharg's office where he can turn it in. Oh, but he God. miscalculates, and he falls oh, to no. his death instead. <laughs> as he goes, he passes by Thark's offices, like as he falls to his death. And we get our first good look at both the 2080 offices and Thark's robot staff. <laughs> as he lands, the like the people on the ground like cleaning up his body are like, Oh, things sure have been weird around here since that alien and his robots moved into the 20th floor <laughs> making their comic book. And uh, and that's the future shock. Yeah, man, that's real good. Um, we're gonna see a lot more of Tharg's <clears throat> of uh, the, the 2080 offices and the robot staff contained within them as the years wear on, especially like in the next couple years of 2000 AD. I liked one, it. One thing to keep in mind as we go forward, Fox, is mm. basically every time there's a shot of the office now. There will be a little, like on, on one page or another, there'll, you, there'll be some kind of Easter egg of a picture of Alec Trench and maybe some sort of motto or other thing written under his face. Really? Yeah, so just keep an eye out for it as we sort of go through these. Oh, that's nuts. Also, on the other page after this future shock was, hey, were you excited about that trip to Mars? Well, now, how about the House of the Future? Yeah, big preview for upcoming um, 2080 <laughs> feature, House of the Future. It's really weird. Said. It's a really weird house. We're gonna we'll get into it soon, I guess. It's not a good house. Oh, it has its moments, <laughs> or something. I don't know. But hey, <laughs> speaking of falls, Fox. Mm -hmm. Thrill five, Robusters. Man, oh man. This is a key Robusters story, the fall and rise of Rojaws and Hammerstein. Uh, the script robots, Pat Mills. The art robots are Kevin O'Neill and Mike McMahon. Lettering robot, Peter Knight. So, <laughs> Robusters HQ. A bunch of crazy new robots are coming in to join the Robusters. One of them is looking for Rojaz, who's reading stories to the little kid robots, which is weird. And it's Ginger, Rojaz's old buddy from Robot Prison. Hooray. He's, uh, he's changed. Yeah. Yeah, that snowy Christmas night in Rojaz's memory, he was taken to the Robo Knackers yard, where he was repaired and put back to work. Um, uh, this time with only his only possession, a threadbare blanket. He's got a new head, he's got new arms, he's got tank tread legs. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, some of these things are upgrades. The tank tread legs are kind of cool. Uh, he had, like, sweet, like, running legs previously, man. It's true. He did have, like, he. oh, yeah, he was like a taxi you climbed on top of. Yep. Even so his face is different. Yeah, he's got a different head. So after uh, after Ginger is threatened and saved from Mechquake by Rojas and Hammerstein, we <laughs> cut to Harold Quartz and Miss Marilyn, who are lamenting the lost profits caused by the North Pool disaster, where the Terror Mechs beat up Charlie and all that stuff. There's only one thing to do. Destroy the Robusters and make it look like an accident and then collect the insurance money. Well, time to start a death list. Yep. I know who's <laughs> going on top. <laughs> so, time to destroy the Robusters, use the money to buy more Terramex, good job. Top of the list to go on the Prang Mantis, which will then crash, is Rojas and Hammerstein. Oh my uh, god. There's a bunch of, uh, robo of Robo side action before this starts. Most notably, Rojas imagining that he and Hammerstein gets married with Rojas in a wedding dress. And I realize that Just I've actually... I realize that I'm actually making a lot of assumptions about the sexuality of these robots. I don't know. Like, That's fair. If Robot actually identifies as female or something, then it's going to really blow up my whole spot as to what I'm thinking about what he sounds like and what that means. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, there's also like a, a, a robot medical test droid who gets assaulted by a medical, dro by a, a medical droid, which is very weird. 
And then, yeah, it's he shoves a thing in the guy's mouth and like. The one thing I do love about this robot, this uh, medical robot, Doctor Feely Good, is that he doesn't <laughs> talk. He just has messages um, that display on his chest, you know. And whenever you're like, "What are you doing to that guy?" it just says like, "I never discuss my patients," which I think <laughs> is pretty funny. The doctor will see you now. Exactly. But so everybody piles onto the uh, onto the praying mantis ship and head out, singing the traditional robot's farewell. That's just like whipping everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sing the traditional robot's farewell, which is basically to the tune of Where Have All the Flowers Gone? But about robots. Where have all the robots gone? Long time passing. Jeez. As the robot overseer whips them into the ship. <laughs> Marilyn... Miss Marilyn pulls Rojas aside to try to save him, but instead he goes back aboard the ship to try to save all of his buddies. After eating some garbage, of course. I mean, you know, if you're while you're there and you're Rojas, right? <laughs> so the Robusters go up in the Praying Mantis, and this is basically the first time we've seen the Praying Mantis in this comic after a month of technical diagram drawings of it. God, uh and it's just Quartz, Marilyn, and Mechquake back at uh, Robusters HQ. <laughs> Aboard the ship, Rojas explains the situation. What's to be done? They can't take control of the ship directly because there's an anti-riot door that's locked. But they could draw the Overseer out by playing Swapsy, which is basically <laughs> trading robot body parts, which is an illegal game that the Overseer hates. Let's get it on. So I, I don't understand why you would swap with everyone other than i guess just to have a panel where everyone's swapped um i think in theory it might be that like all these robots have specific like it's it's a, it's specifically an illegal game and i think it might have to do with like robot titles and stuff a lot of mm. the stuff we've seen about robots so far makes them very similar to cars like they have like tax badges and things like that yeah so like you know if you have a title for your car if you have a bunch of different parts on it you have to register all those with the DMV, or the British equivalent of the DMV, I guess. So mm. probably swapping around heads and arms and other things like that means that their titles are no longer correct. So the a, a robot overseer who's in charge of making sure that everything works correctly might get <laughs> pissed off when people are suddenly swapping arms and heads and things like that, you know? <laughs> Especially because it seems like robo-personalities are stored in the heads. So like... Mm. Hammerstein's head so like Rojas and Hammerstein switch heads and Hammerstein's um, Hammerstein's embarrassed because his head's on Rojas's body you know <laughs> which I mean the whole scene's pretty great meanwhile like no one no one will trade with Ginger which is so sad I feel real bad for Ginger throughout this whole comic <sighs> man he's so pathetic it is really pathetic Anyhow, this angers the overseer and allows them to take control of the ship, and they bail out moments before it explodes. Um, they might be presu presumed dead, so maybe they can go free, I guess? But the logistics of it are uh, impossible. They don't have work papers, they can't do all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, like, they, it's already super dangerous for them. They're like, oh, I guess we're fine. Yeah, there's a super smart bot that's basically like, no, we gotta surrender, guys. There's no place out there for free robots. Yeah. Uh, the, so they're contemplating surrender when a prowl wagon of the robot investigation police, R.I.P., rolls up, and their motto is shoot first and ask questions later. Which, I mean, I guess if you're going to have a motto. In the final prog for Robusters, the uh, R.I.P. have changed their names to the PD troopers, the punishment and discipline troopers. Uh, they're still shooting first and asking questions later and they're pissed about this illegal gathering of robots so the super smart robot that suggests surrender tries to surrender but the PD troopers aren't falling for that clever ruse and open fire and then there's a whole lot of awesome stuff happening and then murder yeah. and a Every robot doctor like doing some weird stuff to people. Yeah, the robots run and Ginger is forced to leave his blanket behind, which I wrote that and then I wrote just like a sad smiley face afterwards <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> Hammerstein beats up the, uh, the PDs providing cover. Um, Ham Hammerstein beats them up pretty good, but suddenly um, he's about to. And then uh, the medical bot, Doctor Feely Good, shows up just in time to eat a trooper that's about to throw a grenade. Did you what just eat that hell? guy, Doctor Feely Good? I never discuss my patients. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, the troopers 
um, have found Ginger's blanket and they use it to trace the escaping bots by the smell of their oil. And so they cover themselves in pig garbage. Yeah, to mask the smell. And so they make their escape. Meanwhile, one of the bots, whose name is uh, whose name is X twenty three, like E X or X dash or sorry, X twenty seven, literally X dash two seven question mark. Yep. X twenty seven has had his uh, memory um, wiped or something. He's uh, they mentioned a couple times sort of in the background that he doesn't have mm. he, he's had amnesia for a long time. But, but it's, that, like, slowly coming back. Yeah. Now, X-27's memory is starting to come back. As he dies, he tells Hammerstein he's got a mission, and it could change the lives of every robot on Earth. Next episode, Genesis of the Robots. Oh snap. Yeah. Dude, it's actually... So, I, um... I really love the arc in this. Like, the idea that, you know, this guy's trying to get... Um, insurance money like this is all just a big scam and this is the fallout of yeah. that scam that has <laughs> nothing to do with him like yeah it's just these robots surviving right now and of course it's just more awesome destruction and and silly robots and mechquake being a definite murder guy mechquake's the worst i love it he's an asshole i love mechquake <laughs> Um, he's just like yeah I would have totally killed my friends if you had just let me (laughs) exactly yeah yeah this is a really this is a really good arc for um, Robusters it's sort of one that gets talked about a lot they actually reprised it from a different point of view in like 2015 in uh, in the in the live progs which is kind of interesting really yeah, like it's all this stuff, sort of with a little bit more in-depth looks and more ex- and more sort of discussion of things and stuff. It's very cool. Oh, that's neat. Um, yeah, man, this is going to be. We're getting onto some some very cool stuff and things that will also set the stage a little bit for ABC Warriors coming later this year. I'm pretty excited. I I'm just mostly now just waiting for it to hurry along. You know, like yeah, we're about to get to the good stuff with this. Everything's about to get to the good stuff. Speaking of getting to the good stuff, actually, Thrill Six Strontium Dog. So the script robot for Strontium Dog is John Wagner writing as TB Grover. The art robots Carlos Escara. The lettering robot is John Aldrich. So John Wagner wrote three of the six pro- um, thrills this month. Just to give you an FYI. Jeez. But so. Oh shit! Now, Alf, Johnny Alpha, Wolf, and Gronk are back. They're cruising in their convertible. They're their element, man. It's yeah. awesome. They're rolling into the No Mutants town of Sharpsville, looking for the criminal Flies Eyes Wagner. Oh, I had a quick question. Yeah. Is so? Is his um, partner is is he a mutant or is Wolf, he just a big old man? Yeah. Wolf is a big old man. So he's he's a normie. Yeah, he's man. Wolf's co- complicated, but I don't want to. I want to let the. I, oh, yeah, no worries. Let the story tell you about it. We'll we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Um, so as they roll into town, they're stopped by the cops from the town, who tell them to clear off. Friggin' pigs. Johnny Alpha's like, I'm a strontium dog, sir. I'm here to take down a man who killed another strontium dog. You guys can't handle it, and they like burn his like license. And they're like, we don't like no outside mutants in our town. And Johnny Alpha just like pushes the guy down and drives off. Like, we got to take this guy out. You guys are getting in my way. Which is awesome. Yeah. They they know that Fly's Eyes is on a uh, a ground train. Mm Mm-hmm. And as they drive, and as they drive into the town, they see the the uh, train that Fly's Eyes was on. Johnny jumps onto the train, and he and Fly's Eyes have an awesome train fight. It's really great. Somebody gets pistol whipped, and then like another guy gets almost whipped with a belt. Yeah, but when Johnny has Wagner dead to rights, the local law starts shooting at him, and Fly's Eyes escapes. Bunch of he, jerks. He cuts the cr- the coupling of the road train, and all the cars begin to topple. Oh no! Oh, snap. Yeah, so the train topples, but luckily the grain car Johnny Alpha was in cushioned his fall. By the way, I love the full color 
two pages that they get for strontium dogs with each one of these. Yeah, strontium, especially this one. Strontium dogs in the middle of the of the of the comic this month, so they get two color pages, and they're dope AF for sure. They really are. This whole like the green on the black and red like looks really good. Yeah, I'll try to put the color pages um, in the in the social media entries for oh, this for awesome. this for this one this week. Um, but so. Uh, Johnny yells at the local cops and then drives into town on the lookout for Fly's Eyes. We then cut to Fly's Eyes attacking an old dude who turns out to be his own dad. Pistol whips his dad, for God's sake. Yeah, he's planning to leave Earth forever, but he wants to take the old guy out first. As the uh, as our team approaches the building, Fly's Eyes pop is in. They're confronted by the local cops, and this freaks out Fly's Eyes, who starts shooting. He kills a few cops and then throws a grenade at four others. A dimension warp! Oh, God, where did they go? Yeah, Fly's Eyes has brought out the big guns, and now it's time for strontium dogs to, reci- to the, for the strontium dogs to reciprocate. Dude. So, the D-warp is bad news, and Johnny's got to stop Fly's Eyes before he shoots it again. Johnny shoots an electro flare from his gun, blinding Fly's Eyes, and then the team runs up to the apartment. At their destination, Fly's Eyes yells at his father for not fixing his eyes when he was a kid. And his dad's like, it's your evil brain that's the real mutation. Fly's Eyes kills him for it. As Johnny, Wolf, and the Gronk enter the room, Fly's Eyes triggers the dimension warp again. This time disappearing into the warp himself. Johnny's got to take him down. It's strontium dog business. He jumps into the warp and tells Wolf and the Gronk to stay behind. Worried for their friend, first Wolf and then Gronk too jumps through the D-warp. Aw, jeez. Hey, man, this tricycle's going to ride. They land on a strange, twisted world with all roads lead to hell written <laughs> on the wall. And Next a giant episode. Volcano with an evil face on it. Yeah, everything's there's a volcano. There's all these skulls everywhere. It's awesome. Next episode: the city of lost souls. So maybe they're in hell. Maybe, oh maybe yeah, still bit in hell. It's hell time, buddy. Bound and down and down. You know, dude. It's it's uh, strontium dogs is real good. Yeah, like, man. It's really too bad they only got three. Um, Three issues this run. There's some awesome train action. Oh, some man. good gunfighting action. We got to see a new gadget from uh, Johnny, the Electro Flare. We're going to see some more gadgets this time that I'm pretty excited about. Um, Dude, it it reminds me of the old Judge Dredd like, one-off villainry, except that they use it now to just go off into full-long arcs. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bounty Hunter setup makes it really cool because it just means that they can sort of, you know, just frame it as like, oh, we got a new guy to go after, so let's go after him, you know? Right, if a storyline gets sale, it's like, well, let's make up a guy who can turn people into toads. Exactly. Literally, sometimes. (laughs) But hey, so Fox. Oh, God, Conrad. That's it for Thrills this month. What is your top and bottom thrill for March 1979? Um, so I just want to go out and say it's not Strontium Dogs this time, and not because Strontium Dog is not great. It was just only three, right? So I'm yeah. competing with a, a lot of things going across each one. Seems fair. So um, this month is Robo Hunter because, like, not just the story and how it just ratchets itself up to 11 in Bizarre. Like, it starts with Monopoly and ends with. He's he's a all king. out planetary war <laughs> but with, with Sam Slade as a king. Yeah, exactly. Like everything is nuts. He could basically care less for the most part. Right. Like he's just kind of like, well, got to do more things. Got to shoot more robots. Yep. But the, the, the line work and the art were just fantastic. Like it was mind blowing to look at. Nice. <sighs> so what's Have your bottom? Th- oh, oh my bottom three. Yeah, yeah, what's your bottom? My oh, Dan Dare. It was terrible. It was boring. <laughs> it was so stupid. It's like they wrote gold, and that gold was fun and funny, and and there were space worms that that sucked on your head that were actually pilgrims, or no, the other way around. Yeah, the other like, way around. Close like, though. <laughs> like don't don't just 
like make all of that and then be like, oh yeah, the Mekon and like and then some <laughs> stuff happens. It's like so boring. It's like reading fucking uh, Rick Random. It's garbage. Anyway, uh, 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 Rick Random coming to 2000 AD Prague soon. But um, <laughs> so Conrad, um, what's your top and bottom thrill? Man, I mostly agree. Um, Robusters and Strong Team Dog are still just starting their story, so it's a little bit too early for them to be really competing at this point. Um, Judge Dredd is real good, man. There's a couple real awesome parts, especially oh, yeah. like. Really both um creepy. yeah like like both walter's press tour and just this sort of opening part of Prague 106 where it's cal um sh- you know just seeing the root the tyranny of cal is really nice but man robo hunter just again Prague 106 for robo hunter where the war starts and there's all this awesome stuff like yeah just um ian gibson's art really elevates robo hunter that makes it look different from any everything else in the Prague. But also, and just all this robot stuff that's really unusual and intricate and awesome. So, I'm really excited it's back, and um, I'm really excited for where it's going. We're gonna be we're nearing the end of this Virtus story, I think. But Robo Hunter is gonna be with us for a little while still. Oh, that's excellent because it's real good. Yeah, and then my bottom also Dan Dare. I'm not as down on Dan Dare as you, but I also agree that it's definitely the weakest part of this prog. Um, it just feels like it just feels like the like regular stuff, you know. Like all these other ones sort of have newer, interesting things going on, and this just kind of feels like oh yeah, you know, sci-fi serial, whatever. Things moving along well, very slowly. That's what I mean. They had the same amount of zaniness that you're seeing right now, not but a few issues ago. Yeah. The fuck happened? I hear you. Yeah, no, it's just, it could be the new writing, the uh, like like Tom Tully taking over as writer. It could be just sort of some, like the, this new move with Dan Dare making him like am, have amnesia and be evil or something. I don't know. We'll see yeah. in advance. Dan Dare is going to change a little bit over the next couple months, so we'll sort of see how it goes. That's freaking lame. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradoline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're, Space Spinner 2- we're at Space Spinner 2K and everything else. Just look for Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Come back next time for the climax and conclusion of Judge Cal followed by a rare one prog vacation for judge dread the robusters will continue their rise and fall johnny wolf and gronk go deeper into hell awesome war, war rages on on virtus and dan dare joins the resistance whoa until next time i'm conrad he's fox and we are space spinner 2000 Splendug birthrig. Splendug birthrig. Birthrig.